I'm not going to worry about the microphone. If you have a thought, a, a anything, shout it out. I'm just going to repeat it, okay? It'll make it that much easier. And uh, nobody has to delay, nobody has to wait, so we'll just get her, get her done there. We are going to be talking about... So recap, we just talked about Noah and the flood last week. Had a few odds and ends. That was interesting. I had different points. I appreciate everybody offering. We are going to be talking about the Israelites and Moses' interaction with them this Sunday. And more of these will be my viewpoints that I had on the different uh, the different things that took place with the Israelites, with Moses specifically, uh, and then how... how what my take on that one was, throw in your two cents. If I am completely wrong, great. Tell me about it. I am I am here to learn just the same as everybody else. So, Am I spitting in it? What am I doing? Thing moves on me all the time. Is that any better? So I'm not doing that? I brush my teeth, I promise. Okay. So with the Israelites... Obviously, God told Moses, Exodus 4.25, I want you to go, in Exodus, you're going to go and you're going to save my people. They've been grumbling, they've been abused, they've been beaten up in Egypt, so we're going to go get my people out of Egypt and bring them to the promised land. Moses argues against that. He goes, yeah, don't talk very well, etc. Finally, he agrees to it. He talks to Aaron. Aaron says, I'm still doing it. Is that any better? Worse? All right. Sorry. It's my misshapen head, I'm sure. Okay. So, Moses agrees to do it. He grabs the wife, grabs the kid. We're out of here. And they're traveling. They are, they're doing a road trip. They get in the motorhome on their way. They stop off at a Motel 6. Exodus 4.25, God's waiting there to kill him. Does that make a lot of sense? I mean, you know how it works, but I need you to go and save my people. On the way there, I'm going to kill you. That that equation doesn't add up. All right. So, why does he do this? He's he is going. He, he was waiting there to kill him, and so Zipporah, his wife, circumcises his son, takes the foreskin, touches Moses' foot, and Moses gets better. Okay, I got a, I got a whole lot I got to say about that one. But what was it, what was the covenant with Abraham? If we recall that one, you and all your people will be set apart. You will be circumcised to the rest of the nation. That's not and the rest of the world. That's not that is that is your de, that's your defining uh, uh, factor. I, there, there's several factors, but that's one that's a specific. Okay, so first question is one. Why did he want to kill Moses? Well, Moses was a descendant of Abraham. God said, "You're to Abraham, you and your descendants will be set apart through circumcision. Moses was. His son was not. So did Moses have justification to not circumcise? Hey, I, was, I was out in the, in the field for 40 years. I left Egypt. So, I mean, do I really even have to abide by this? We don't know why Moses thought what he thought. Okay? If somebody... 
you know, guys stick together. So when my son had to be circumcised, I got to hold him while the doctor took care of business. My wife says, that's not happening. You, you go do that. I don't want to be a part of it. Moses didn't do it. It was his wife. Do we know why? We don't specifically. However, Moses was probably incapacitated because God was killing him in the process of it. Laid out, in bed sick, organs failing, etc. Zipporah did it. Now, this is one... <laughs> this is just me talking, but I mean, I... I, I Vernita, how old, how old was Paul? He was two years old. Okay. So, for whatever reason, my nephew wasn't circumcised when he was born. And at two, they had the Mad Hatter idea to go and circumcise him. It was not a pleasant experience for anybody, for that matter, especially my nephew. <laughs> All right, Exodus 2, 2.22 says his son Gershon was born to him. It is, uh, Exodus 2.23, it then says, which we, it's very relative, after a long time the Pharaoh of Egypt died. And then Moses was going to free his people. So, so when Gershon was circumcised, he was no kid. How mad would you have been at dad, fellas? <laughs> this hurts, dad. Why didn't you do this earlier? He was old. He, who knows how old he was, but he wasn't a baby. Something I just thought of there. I was like, yeah, I'm sure there was a little, little issue there. Okay. So you are my chosen spokesperson. You're going you're gonna to speak on my behalf to Pharaoh, release my people. Just because I've chosen you, you're still obligated to follow the commandments, to follow what I said. You knew the covenant I'd made with Abraham. You knew, you know who you are. You were circumcised. What kept you from circumcising your son? Why, were you, why, why was that not something he had done? And God says, I don't forget. You're going to follow the rules one way or the other. It's going to happen. So you need to get on board or get out. And God was ready to remove him, even though he needed him. I'll find another. Don't worry. That's just, uh, that is something, you, you, I find that very intriguing, that even though you were going to be the one to, to, to speak on my behalf, I will hold you accountable all the same. So this one I want you to recall as after we're speaking. Moses, after that happened, he's, he gets better. They go on to Pharaoh, uh, on toward Egypt. Before he starts talking to Pharaoh, he collects all the Israelite leaders to him. He does in, in 431, Exodus 431, he had shown them all the signs that he did. He had the staff, drops it, becomes a snake, had the hand in, leprosy, the whole night. All the different things God had said to him, all the things he was going to do. And in 431, it says, And they believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. So the leaders believed and worshipped the Lord for what Moses was about to do. Recall that for later because it has significance from where I sit. All right. Moses goes to Pharaoh. Now, this is when I, I actually looked this up earlier. He goes to Pharaoh, and the thing he, he, he asked, so somebody shout this one out. How many men were counted roughly of the Israelites? Great. All right. Good answer. One million, roughly. Okay. A million men, so we. We'll, we'll double that for kids and women. So three million total. Anyone have a clue what 2021 numbers were 
for the number of people employed by Walmart. 2.8 million. What Moses went to Pharaoh and basically just said was Sam Walton's kids and crew, oh, by the way, funny story, ha, 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 I'm coming to collect your entire labor force for all of your stores, and I'm not replacing them with anybody. And you will have to do your own building. You'll have to do your own cleaning. You'll have to do your own shopping. You'll have to do your own reaping and sowing and harvesting and the whole night like that. Yeah, so that's about to happen. So I think, I think, I think the Walton family is five of the top ten richest people in the world. So how well do you think that went over? Pharaoh's sitting there going, so yeah, that's not going to happen. I, I, can see, I could see specifically why he would have balked when there's, I'm going to remove your entire, you know, the, the, uh, uh, you know, the Israelite Union Local 1521. I mean, that's basically what he said. I'm dropping them. You're, you're removing my entire labor force. So when you approach Pharaoh with that, he's cocky anyway. He's Pharaoh. I'm, I'm Pharaoh. When I say it, it happens. And now you're going to remove all this so that now we have to work. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Well, not a big stretch that he would have balked at the entire thing. Okay. Now, we're going to get into the Israelites specifically. Exodus 5, 1 through 22. Starting off, this is the first, the first of 14 complaints. We're not going to read the whole thing. I'll, I will paraphrase. 5, 1 through 22, they complained to Moses because he had already talked to Pharaoh. Pharaoh called the Egyptians lazy. So what did he, what did he remove from what he offered them or gave to them to assist in their building? Straw? He said, yeah, we've been supplying that, so guess what we're not going to do anymore? However, you all have to supply your own straw, but you have to do just as many bricks. And so it says they scattered all over Egypt trying to find this. And the Israelite leaders in charge of the workforce, they were getting beat up by the foreman, Egyptian foreman, saying, why didn't you do the same quote as you did yesterday and the day before that? And they went to Pharaoh and said, this, is, this isn't possible. Your people screwed up. They didn't, they didn't drop off our straw this morning. And Pharaoh, they... they Pharaoh goes, yeah, this, your, your guy started talking. And so the Israelites complain to Moses, you're stirring things up. So a question for you. Anyone ever had to clean a garage that's been severely needed or any of the room in your, in your house? Does it usually get worse before it gets better? That's how mine is. I just destroy the place, get rid of what I don't need, reconsolidate, say this doesn't go here, this goes under the house. I just put it here ages ago. It really is supposed to go in the shed. All right. You have to make it messier before you make it better. That's that's my rule. And the Israelites, I mean, that's basically what happened. But you guys, basically, you guys picked up the phone and called God, and He answered. You don't like the method of way He's doing it, but He is doing it. I, I sent somebody. It's happening. Wait. Well, yeah, we're waiting, but it has to be. You're, you're beating us up in the process. Well, do we always like how God does things? <laughs> I I have not enjoyed it my entire life. Some of it I have. Other ones, like, ooh, could have done without that. And God goes, ooh, don't care. My plan is perfect. What you don't know, you don't know, and I do. Okay. Exodus 14, 11 through 12. 
they complained to Moses that he should have left them alone. Quick recap. Again, you called God, he sent me. Here's the other question. All right, so we have to assume we don't know this for a fact. All of the Israelites left Egypt, right? We think so? What if they hadn't? What if somebody had been left behind? Pharaoh takes off to go get them all back. Was he happy or good with the, the, you know, the, the, the hundred that stayed behind? Just like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. My hip hurts. That's a lot of walking, I think, from here to the promised land. So, no. I mean, could anyone have stayed behind? Would they probably have been a... The person left behind for what somebody else has done, but you're connected to them. Retribution is going to be coming down on you, most likely. So they had to go. This is, this is on the, the tail ends of firstborn of the entire household, entire uh, nation, dying. Not much eye for an eye philosophy. I, I had to believe they all left. But could they have stayed because they were complaining to Moses? <laughs> We'd stayed back there. We'd have been just fine thought that I had on that one. In 1522, Exodus 1522, the Israelites complained about bitter water. For three days, they're walking through the desert. A million men, so three million, let's just say three million just to be easy for the Israelites. It's hot. Egypt and that land is hot anyway. Whether it was a desert or not, my parents went through the Panama Canal and they said they had to go back inside the ship, couldn't even stand, sit outside on the rail because it was so blisteringly hot just outside. And that is a lush area. It's hot. It wasn't necessarily humid, but it was hot. Three days, you're walking around. Heat. Dust has to be everywhere. All that traveling, all the people traveling, all the animals that went with them. It's hot. You're tired, dusty, and then you get to somewhere where there's water. And like, this is going to be great. I am going to suck down most of this oasis right here, right now. And you find out it's bitter water. It was salt water. I I think I'd be a little dismayed myself, honestly. So, here's the thought I had. This is where my point to ponder. Did God make Moses immune to any human feelings, needs, desires, or otherwise? Moses was doing the exact same walking they were. He was in the exact same place. He didn't have the uh, RV with AC. The dust affected him just as bad, and he could only carry as much water as he could carry. So do you think he was hot? Do you think he was tired? Do you think he was thirsty? And then he's ready to get down and crazy with this oasis of water. isn't it? They're blaming him every single time for things when he's just as affected by the tragedy. That's the rough, rough aspect of it. Going, he's, he, I'm right in the trenches with you. It's not that I'm sitting here on the, on the high pedestal with the AC going. I am just as thirsty as you are. So, with all that, God's leading them, Correct? He knew where they were going. Did God know the water was bitter? <laughs> he had to. I mean, it's God. <laughs> Do you think this might have been a learning lesson? It's like, oh yeah, 
I know what's going to happen, but I'm trying to teach them something. The minute that they, oh, we didn't, they, I don't need God. I didn't need God. The minute we get to the water, oh, cool. We got the water here. God didn't provide it. It was already here. So we're cool. And uh, with all that, the water's bitter. So God's like, all right, I need to fix this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't need to. I'm going to fix this for you because I need to show them I'm capable and powerful. So what does he do? He says, grab this stick. Now there's three million people. It wasn't a little, it wasn't three chairs worth of water. It had to be some water, but it was bitter. He grabs a piece of wood that was laying there and he goes, grab that, throw it in there. And the water was sweet. Water at our cabin has that penny taste if we don't put it through the water softener. And even then we want to put it through the purifier. Everybody's tasted that. Have you ever been there where it is? My, my roommate in college was from Sweet Lips, Tennessee. It was called Sweet Lips because the water tasted so good, he said. I don't remember ever tasting the water and going, oh, that was really nice. But it is so refreshing when you have water. You're like, oh, that's good stuff right there. When, especially when you're thirsty and you're hot and you're tired. So, bling. I mean, the wood even probably made it cold. I'm kidding. Okay, the question I have, though, do we not have bitter water we have to deal with sometimes? We've been dealing with a lot. COVID's been our bitter water. Come on, if we can all agree on that one. It has been trying, tiresome, frustrating, aggravating, painful. We've lost people because of COVID. Has the wood gotten the water and made it sweeter? I can't say it has or hasn't. Some people may or may not have. However, God's God and we're not. It will be what it will be and we endure regardless because that's what we're expected to do. He has the plan. Exodus 16, 1 through 4. <laughs> Complained against Moses and Aaron now, Aaron gets to be included, about being hungry. So God gives them what? On the ground. Manna! The manna tasted pretty good from what, I, from what I read. It was sweet. It was pretty good stuff. This is their fourth grumble against God. Now, God does, does God lose his patience? Would he ever say that? I mean, he's God, so he's patient. He, he, he is the essence of patience. But there is a point where punishment has to be metered out, right? He's feeling, okay, that's enough. You know, my, my kids have tested me more than once. And I said, keep it up. And next time, I'll knock the taste out of your mouth. I do say that. I don't do that. My bark is a lot worse than my bite, I promise. Okay. So he says, go out and get, gather the manna. Now, this one is this is one you guys can, some people can harp at me later for this one. Go out and gather a certain amount, all right? And it says, those who gathered a lot and those who gathered little, when measured against an omer, omer, for just the sake of argument, it was, it was about a, a, a sheaf of a, a, a wheat. So it, for a gallon, let's just say it was a gallon. It's all just for simplicity's sake. If you gathered a lot and measured it then poured what you gathered into an omer it would be an omer's worth if you gathered a little and measured it as an omer you'd have an omer's worth 
So help me out with this. Was there, I mean, throw that in today's society, was there much incentive to go and gather crazy? Gotta be measured in an omer, like, oh, yeah, no, I, here, I'll pick some up, pour it in there. <laughs> I got an omer's worth. This is awesome. I mean, could you not see them people doing that? I, I know I would. I was like, what? I'm sorry, I can't say I would. I'd hope that I had some integrity on that when you go and grab, gather like you're supposed to, but it would be easy not to, wouldn't it? So <laughs> they were told to keep enough for the day, so they had to keep gathering each day. So if I'm feeling real froggy, I'll go gather a whole bunch, 10 omers worth, and I don't have to gather for the week. What happened if they did that? It spoiled maggots and it smelled good times so he told him not to because I need you guys to gather daily that is that was a teaching moment but they didn't and so it's uh, uh, anyone know what happens if you want know, a bank robbery and they have the they have the the bills and they have a special set of bills that they'll throw in the bag and then it if they once they leave whatever it'll pop and it, it has ink on it and it'll get on the money, and it'll get on you, and it doesn't come off. That's not what they do now anymore, but just FYI, if you're thinking of stealing money. Um, but that, that was the essence of this one. If you did wrong, I mean, I don't think it just smelled a little. I mean, you walk by the, you walk by the tent, oh, oh, Bill, you, you, you get too much? Did you have too much there? Your stinks, and the people are throwing out a bunch of maggots. You're like, oh, oh, did you take too much? That's a sure sign. Then he said, on, for this, on the sixth day, collect double so that you have enough for the seventh, which is the Sabbath. I want you guys to rest on the seventh. I commanded that. And there, there's the manna field over there. And over there in the corner behind the door is Moses. And a few people showed up to gather because they didn't gather enough the first time on the sixth day together twice and Moses said did you not hear the commandments God said keep my commandments I want you to rest on the seventh day and you're still out here doing this what is wrong with you how have you not, how have you not figured this out it's not rocket surgery so <laughs> he says to, God says to Moses to say to them how long will you not keep my commands and instructions I want you to rest on the seventh day. Flat out. Okay. Here's the first instance of this. Exodus, Exodus 17, 1 through 4. Now they're thirsty. What does Moses hit to make sure they're taken care of? First time, he strikes the rock. This is the fifth instance, right? fifth or sixth he's told them get your act together people what is wrong with you I'm God why are are you testing me why don't you think I'm going to take care of you when they had the bitter water after they left that they had an oasis that had several springs and lots of palm trees but he had to show them when you were all desperate I had the answer for you but you guys got all mouthy I fixed it for you just to get you to be quiet. But I had something waiting for you that was fantastic. But you couldn't wait. 
you, 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 had, you had limitations on God. Any of us ever put any limitations on God? I, I'm the first to admit I have. He could, there's no way he could pull that off. Or How many have heard this one? There's no way I can make it to your church because I am uh, too much. I'm going to catch fire if I came in here. Come on. Anybody heard that one? Yeah, everybody's had a friend who's done that. I don't care. Who oh, I, I go to your church. I don't want to catch fire. <laughs> it's not funny. You can't catch fire in this church because of your sin. You'll actually be quenched from fire in this church. But you just put limitations on God. I certainly did. I hated to come here. I, I was a bad apple doing all kinds of stupid things. And I didn't want to come here. Not because I felt I would catch fire. But I also didn't want to face my sins. People don't want to do that. So oh, I'll catch fire. I don't want to, have to do that. Yeah. That's their purpose. The fire has nothing to do with it. Come to church. I'll bring an extinguisher. We're good. All right. God is finally fed up. Okay. It, if I told my, my son, do that again, and you're grounded from your Nintendo Switch. Okay. So basically, I just said, I'm going to rip out your heart. The kid lives and dies by that thing. Okay. But if I said so, and he did it again, and I didn't take the switch away, was that a good or a bad maneuver? <laughs> the wife says bad. It's a bad maneuver. If I don't follow through on my threat, then they've learned nothing. All they learned is it's just a threat. There is no follow through. If there's no follow through, then there's really no reason for me to change my actions. Okay. We are now in Exodus 32, 28. It is the epitome of all that every, everyone knows. I don't care who you are. Walking this earth, you know about the golden calf, I believe. Big deal. Moses, God calls Moses to the top of the mountain. Covers it with, with uh, smoke, clouds, a lot of rumbling, a lot of noise. And he's gone for a while. God's given him a lot of instructions. It's going to be the... Uh, uh, um, oh, what was it... In the, with the priest's clothes, the instructions on the ark, specific altars, little rules, everything else. He's getting all this information. Forty days he's gone. Okay. So my question there is, for 40 days, thunder, noise, lights, clouds, don't touch that mountain. Don't, I mean, anyone, even if you let your livestock walk on it, what's going to happen to them? Die. Except the livestock, I think, would die. If an Israelite did it, another Israelite would see it. They were required to go take them out and kill them. Do not touch the mountain. Okay, so if Moses... I'm trying to think from the Israelite standpoint. Moses is on the mountain. He's been gone for 40 days. There's been a lot of noise going on up there. Who can go get him? No one. Not a soul. So we can't... It's a... It's a, a, a what's the... Is it Schrodinger's cat? If there's a cat in the box, is it alive or is it not? I don't know. I don't know. Can't tell. But if I, until I open it, it, it's the question. So is Moses alive? I don't know. I can't go see. So it, he could be alive. He could be dead. I don't know. So with that being the case, they're sitting there, huh? But instead of being sure or just waiting, yeah, let's go a different route. One that we know God will really like. They go to Aaron. 
fix this. And Aaron thinks, you know what a good idea would be? Give me all of your gold. We're going to throw it in the fire. Which is what he told Moses. I threw it in the fire, and this calf walked out. Strangest thing, I swear. Anyone who's had kids around them ever say, oh, no, the cookie, I don't know what happened to the cookie with all over the face and whatnot or whatever. I don't know how that broke. Weirdest thing ever. And they got dirt all over their shoes. Whatever the case is. It's blatantly obvious. And you thought to tell me, somewhere somewhere you go, I'll tell Moses, we threw gold in the fire, because who doesn't do that? And a calf walked out. Since it walked out, we assumed this from God, so we just decided to worship it. So we're cool, right? I may be paraphrasing slightly, but that's what he that's what that's the excuse he used. All right, so 32:10 God's mad. He says to Moses, "Leave me alone so I can punish my people." Okay. How many how many have been to the church camp? How many have been near the generator at church camp? A few, okay. How many remember where the generator was originally? Christy, you were with me, so I know you do. It used to be just outside the winter cabin, right by the, sh- the two sheds that are there. I, <laughs> two things about camp I can never forget. One is Larry Smith has an instrument on his da- uh, in the dash of the plane that he knows when a prayer is about to start. And the minute it does, he fires it and takes off. Let's pray. Amen. So, happened more times than I care to remember. It was awesome. I don't hear some of the songs we sing here without a generator in the background. Tom was there, I know. It was, it, it was, it's just, it was just part of it. But a generator, that was a small generator there, technically. I mean, comparatively to what we have now. But they said, hey, Roger Brown's, hey, Russ, can you help me with something? Nope. It was a very loud, very big, very powerful piece of equipment. It scared me. If something went, I have no choice. I mean, you had this much room from wall to generator. I mean, wiki, 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 wiki. It was, no, I'm not doing it. That was just a little generator. You seen some of these movies where the person sits there and there's the dragon's face right there and they're like, tiger anything for that matter Moses was around God in close proximity to God he was around him so much what happened to his face at one point it was glowing I'm around the entity that can make me radioactive as far as people are concerned that's how powerful you have to believe he felt it there was a wah, 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 wah moment about him. There's, uh, you, he, he, it's God. You can't expect to not have something affect you like that. And the, this wah, wah, wah thing, entity, says, leave me alone so I can punish my people. And Moses goes, they're idiots. Go get them. No. He does this. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe, uh, let me go talk to him. Uh, uh, you're going to push the dragon back and go, just a second. I'm like, I was here with you, so I'm clear. Go get them. They're on their own. He does that more than once. Was he afraid in the process? 
It doesn't say. But he was still human. So if I'm, if I'm trying to think about it and he was actually doing it, he had to be terrified of what he was saying. And people, if people spoke to Henry VIII and said, yeah, let's not do that. And you're dead. This is God. I can remove you on a cellular level. Okay. So the Israelites are worshiping this calf, and they're just honestly being blithering idiots. Dancing around, dorking around, just absolutely losing their minds. And Moses comes down, and he is just you know, the, 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 the nose pinch and the just red, and the, he, probably, he was probably stuttering. He was so mad. Okay? And God's going, I'm not stuttering at all. I'm mad. And so he says to Moses, what needs to happen? What was the one group that actually stayed true regardless with the calf? Anyone remember? Starts with an L, ends with Evites. Hey, it's the Levites. You guys are great. So the Levites held true to what they were supposed to be doing. They weren't worshiping the calf, etc. And so what did he tell them to do, if you recall? Anyone? Pick up the sword, and you're going to walk from one end of the camp to the other. And you're going to kill people. Did it say who specifically? Oh, yeah. You're going to kill your brother, your friend, and your neighbor. And I don't know that it... It doesn't say on here. Does it say who? Nope. It's specifically to gender. So I don't know that it didn't involve men and women or kids. Anybody know how many died when they, after they did that? One pass. 3,000. Okay, now, 3 million total, 3,000 people died. Is that a big number? I mean, if we're going to go percentages? No, nothing. How many people died in 9-11 in the Trade Center? Twin Towers? 3,000. How many are in New York around 2001? 8 million, give or take. Were those 8 million affected by 3,000 dying? Whoo! What's the, what's the population of the United States? 350 million? 350 million people were messed up by 3,000 dying. Now, turn it around. The Levites had to kill their brother, friend, and neighbor. Do you think they were happy that day? Do you think they were smiling? Hey, Bill, what's going on? <laughs> no. I mean, if you haven't, I, I've, I never, ever, ever, ever believed it when my parents said, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Uh, whew, I got a fire in the backside here that's saying different. And then I became a parent. I hate it when I have to punish my kids. Hate it. Despise it. As much as they deserve it. Not a pleasant experience. Nothing I enjoy. And I would, I mean, I, 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 no kid ever wants to say, yeah, my parents were right. You're right. You guys were right. Even the spelling bee. 
I don't believe God enjoys this when he does it, but it's something that has to be done. I told you, you knew better. If I don't do something, you'll just do it again. When somebody does something wrong, uh, if, if, if somebody's going to cheat on their spouse, is it, which, time, which time is the hardest? First time. After that, you've already done it. So every time after that is just simple. Er. The first one, you, you, this moment, you were perfectly good. Everything was fine. Now you're not. You're absolutely not. You, you, can't, you can't undo that one. It is what it is. However, God has, to, God has to meet her out punishment for things that he said not to do. We have the luxury now of forgiveness. God's like, yeah, you're human. I get it. You're going to screw up. I need you, A, to try not to, B, when you do, acknowledge it, and try not to do it ever again. Walk the walk. That's what I'm asking you to do. They weren't doing it. Okay, so 3,000 died. And that is actually the point where the Levites were set aside as a the group. They were, the, the Levitical priests came from Levi, and they stayed true. So it gave them some, some validation. You stay true to what you're supposed to be doing, and you get... I mean, God rewarded them for that. He put them through their own hell of having to kill my brother, neighbor, and friend. Their family, he, he's walking into his house to grab a sword. There's somebody, well, there's the first one. Hurts my heart. All right. Next one. Numbers 11.1. 1. The people complained within the hearing of the Lord about their hardships. Okay, this one, this one threw me, and luckily I marry well, so my wife gave me a different outlook on this one, which I came, I'm coming here to you guys too. When, when are we not in, within the hearing of the Lord? Are we ever? Is there, a way to, is there a way for me to go over in that corner, put my face against the wall, and the Lord couldn't hear what I had to say? <laughs> it's not happening. But we know we have that understanding now. Christ made that available. Were the Israelites in a different understanding where they had somebody go to the Lord on their behalf? That's what was happening. They talked, hey, Moses, talk to God. Not understanding? Did they not understand? Or that's just how it was done? That was, that was the, how messages were delivered that God could hear and know all. I mean... You can't put two and two together. The Israelites complained, and God heard it, but they didn't complain to Moses to tell God. They complained, God heard it, and sent Moses. How did he get that message? Nobody correlated that, obviously, with the Israelites, but that's what happened. But at that point, they're sitting there going, okay, we have to talk to Moses to talk to God. But they were complaining within earshot of the Lord. It was at that point, though. I mean, God said, yeah, heard you. And on the outskirts, he started burning people. Just smoking the edges of the camp. And Moses interceded. Numbers 12, 1 through 12. Moses, brother, and Miriam, they complain about Moses' leadership. Who got, who, who got punished there? It wasn't Aaron. Miriam, what happened to her? She got the equivalent of what we know today. She got pancreatic cancer as far as she was concerned. The reason I say that is she got leprosy. 
What if you get leprosy back then? You're blacklisted, shunned, and that's a death sentence. You're going to die. Why was Miriam over Aaron selected, you think? Aaron's the spokesperson. He's the, he's the, he's the guy at the, at the podium who, uh, uh, my fellow Americans, you know, he's the one who talks for people. He's the, he, he's the guy in the poster. No one is above the law. You sit there, you're, everybody is culpable and getting get punished when and how I want to see it. Maybe that was a message God was trying to give. He says, oh, you think I would go lighter on her? Nope. Or heavier on Aaron because he's the man. Nope. I'm making an example of somebody here. Moses intercedes again. Numbers 14.10, promised land was too difficult to win, and so they refused to go in. We all know how that turned out. I'm hurrying, I have four minutes. Number 16, the key leaders rebelled against Moses. Three families were removed from existence and 250 men burned by fire. I just love that because God quit being subtle. He didn't threaten anymore, he just did. 1641, people complained against Moses of killing God's people the day before. How cocky are you that you're going to sit there and complain to God? You killed those people there for being what they, when they did wrong. What's he going to do to you now? If you're talking to, I just burned them up. What, is your, what are your hopes? And so God, this is what I love. God breathed at that moment and a plague starts washing across the camp. Anyone remember what Moses did? That wasn't, that, wasn't the, that wasn't them. This is, the, uh, uh, um, this is where he says, Aaron, grab coals from the altar, throw it in the censer, run. How many people, how much space would a million people have to be in? That was the first marathon runner, I think. I mean, Aaron is booking it. Now, Moses didn't have time to talk to God and ask if we could pull this off. Hey, if you're, if you're okay with it. He, didn't have, he sent his brother hoping this will work. He ran. He gets to the center when he could, what he thought was the center, slides in, and he goes, and he holds the center, hoping, hoping that that worked. Moses is sitting there watching. He just sent his brother to die for all he knows. He has no idea if this is going to work. God didn't say, yeah, 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 go ahead and send the sensor. I'll stop it. He had no clue. People are dying as this plague comes by. Pow! Aaron sits there, ha, ha, ha. And it stops. How much faith was that? And why did Moses do it for these idiot people? How many times? Do I, I, just, I just put my brother on the line for you all. And you guys daily don't care. You complain to me because you guys were jerks yesterday that this is going to happen and then this happens today. So when Moses loses the promised land, do you think he got mad? I'd have been smacking a rock too in a few heads. I'd have taken that staff and started just going nuts on people. I get it. He had to. He was still tired. He was mentally drained. His own father-in-law had to say, you know what? We're going to create the Supreme Court and everything below that. Because you're working too hard. Moses had to be absolutely drained physically, mentally, spiritually. Yet he was still fighting for the people because that's what he was supposed to do. I'll end with this. Moses, he was human. He made mistakes. He made one specific mistake, and that cost him the promised land. He endured 
all of this wanting the promised land. He screwed up and he didn't get it. What that says to me was no one's above the law. Moses is my guy, people. Yeah, he lost it. He didn't get it. I believe he earned his reward, but it's not a reward he could understand. He got the reward, he, the reward he could see literally right there. Heaven's one we can't see. I don't even know how good it's going to be, but it's going to be good. Uh, our, our greatest asset we have here that we can go see, and the greatest experience ever is going to be a sewer compared to heaven. And I love that. But Moses lost that out, and that was a great learning experience for the Israelites of no one's above the law. All right, we're going to talk about David next week. Thank you so much for your attention, and I will talk to you guys later.